Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited today to bring you the bite-sized episode of my conversation with Juggie Sahota. Juggie's Vice President of Consumer Health for Telus, one of Canada's largest telecommunication companies. And together we discuss, you know, the gift of pausing and reflecting, why gender mattered more as she moved into senior roles, and how to approach negotiating for your salary. You know, Juggie talks about making it a priority to sit with yourself, to audit your most valuable asset and the questions that you should reflect on. I couldn't have enjoyed this conversation more. Juggy has an incredible passion in all that she does. She's thoughtful, deliberate, reflective, and is on a lifelong growth journey. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you want to hear the full conversation, you can look for Juggy Sahota as part of our Brave Feminine Leadership podcast. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So, Juggy, um, you mentioned as part of that introduction that you've um, there was a certain point in your career where you became more deliberate, I guess, about um, the sort of skills you were trying to pick up. What? How did that come about? You know, what was going on at that point that sort of got you there? Uh, I think you know one one of the one of the most important things maybe to know about me if I can be so bold to share is, um, is how I define purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it starts from a very, very young age, right? Like even before I came to this organization, I wanted to figure out how I could contribute and better uh, the world around me. So my goal in life to this point right now is that I want to have the greatest positive impact on society uh, that I can have, leveraging all of my strengths and my platforms and doing this uh, through a lens of intersectionality. My, my leadership influence right now and up to this point really deliberately spans health and business and racial and social justice and gender equality and globalization. Uh, and you know, I, I still have um, desires to also influence youth and the next generation of leaders. And I'm thinking about how and how I'll actually do that. And I, I'm achieving some of the goal, uh, some of this right now through my leadership in my professional capacity at TELUS, but also through my volunteering and my board and advisory work that I do. So I'm actually, I believe, feeling pretty content that I'm on my path now to fulfilling the real journey that I really want to be on. And I'm pretty sanguine in my disposition and I'm always striving for how things can be better, how I can be better and determining what role uh, that I play in that. And I I think the most precious thing that we have in life is time. And so I think about how I'm spending my time, how I'm focusing my energy and my intellect on what matters most. And to me, that's extending and expanding my leadership uh, reach uh, so that I can drive as much societal good as I can. And so that that then translates in being very intentional about where I'm spending my time and what what roles that I'm taking on and how I'm expanding my network. Because when you change your role in your job, you, you, you intentionally or unintentionally, in fact, are actually expanding your network. Mm. And you know, as you broaden your network, I, I've found that that's been one of the most effective uh, things to do as I'm pursuing my life's purpose and my life's journey uh, overall. Juggy, when you and I um, first met, which feels like a long time ago now, one of the things you shared with me was the more senior you got, the more gender mattered in your career. I'd love to explore that with you. How did that show up? Yeah, so people, I think, um, so a lot of it has to do with self-awareness. And I find that people see you differently than perhaps you see yourself. 
And it's important to understand that um, because how you come across really will impact how effective you are uh, and, and how you're developing uh, your, in, in, in your own leadership capacity. And I think that as you ascend uh, in leadership, uh, you know, as you take on more and more responsibility, as a woman, you become more and more unique because there's less of you around and you become even more different uh, than everybody else that's around the table. And the expectations of you grow too from a representation perspective. And I, I started to feel that and the weight of that as I was moving up uh, and taking on more responsibility, there were you know, fewer and fewer and sometimes no women around that I could see and see an example of uh, or, or aspire towards. And I had to cut a lot of that uh, ground by, by myself. And I think that you, know, you have more responsibility if you care about the world uh, as, as, you, as you rise and it's a great opportunity to set an example and, and set a path forward. So I think that the, the opportunity is to lead with your head and your heart as a woman. And, uh, and that's, a, that's what I think that we need more of in any uh, discipline around the world, whether it's leading countries, leading companies, uh, leading communities. I think that you know, the more we have people matching their EQ with their IQ, uh, I think that we're gonna be a stronger and better society as a result. I'd love to ask you, it reminds me of a conversation I had the other day about, and this self-awareness space is enormous um, in terms of leadership. Uh, you know, it was a comment about um, observing some leaders who unfortunately won't reach their full potential because they're not self-aware. They're not aware of the impact they're having on people around them. How did you get really clear on, you know, how did you become self-aware? I'm still on that journey, I would say. I don't think it's I don't think it's ever done. Uh, and I would say that I've made mistakes and let ego get in the way, particularly in early parts of my career. Mm -hmm. I was, um, you know, always focused on, you know, what does school teach us? School teaches us, like, I, I believe the greatest, I'm going to quote on a tangent for a second. I think that, you know, school, school should teach us, uh, you know, you, you should go to school, really, the greatest value is to learn how to learn and, and learn how to work together. But really, what does school do for us, right? School teaches us to get the right answer. What are you rewarded for? You're rewarded for being right. And, you know, early on in my career, I was focused on that, right? I was focused on getting the right answer. I'm going for that A+. Plus. And yeah. how do I get that A+. Plus? And, you know, if you're open to seeing what other people that are wiser than you are trying to teach you, you know, it'll be really interesting what you'll find. And so when very early on in my career... I had someone that you know, wasn't necessarily a mentor of mine, but was a more senior leader than I was, uh, and it was a male. And you know, he told me, you know, uh, Juggy, you know, it's, it's really important to know the difference between being right and being successful, and you're certainly right. Huh. And I thought, I thought to myself, yes, I'm right. And then for a split second, I thought, oh, wait a minute, there's a learning here for me. And, and, you know, sure, I was right, but I was burning bridges. And I was, you know, not, not, not getting to the long term outcomes, just getting to short term answers. And um, have you got advice for people on how to do that? Because, you know, there's, if I throw networking on the table, some people feel very uncomfortable with the whole concept of networking. I mean, how have you found your sponsors, your mentors? I think at, at the very early part of my career, I sought them out. And I, and I thought to myself, okay, building my plan, 
need a coach, need a mentor. Mm. This person looks pretty good. I went and approached them and I asked them, would you be my mentor? Not really understanding what's actually going to happen from that point and made some mistakes in some of the people that I was reaching out to. They weren't interested in helping me. Uh, and that became pretty, pretty clear. Hurt your ego when you'd have a meeting be set up and they would cancel the meeting minutes before. And, you know, you'd think what's really going on here. And, and, and then what I realized is that for me anyway, and both being a mentor and as a mentee, that the most, the, the best way about that is an organic uh, way. Okay. And so when I have an issue or a challenge, uh, reaching out to someone and saying, could I get your help on something specific that I'm thinking about? Would you be interested in, can I take you out for coffee? Uh, can I just pick your brain? And I, I, what I found in that is, is if you can make it easy for people to help you, they will always want to help you. Uh, and so breaking it down and keeping it light and keeping it organic and keeping it purposeful, uh, you know, makes the person feel good about the time that they're giving and the advice that they're giving. And, you know, for me, it gives me what I'm looking for. And that actually helps build a relationship. So it's, it's, it's different than, you know, going to an event, shaking hands, exchanging cards, like that has never worked for me. You know, you don't feel like you're being heard or listened to. You had an amazing I think very purposeful way that you dealt with that. I just wonder if you might share that with the audience as well. Sure, I, I, I would love to do that. Um, I find that when people talk about, um, especially male leaders and what can they do to make things better, um, I, I find that opaque and high level feedback is just not helpful. And so I have some very specific tactical feedback uh, that I can offer up for people that are trying to support women uh, around the table. I had a situation many years ago where I had a uh, male boss, very senior, very seasoned male boss. And uh, I found that when we were in meetings, uh, I found that, uh, you know, things would not go well uh, for me in terms of I would feel a bit disrespected. Uh, I would feel a bit cut off. I'd feel like, uh, a bit dismissed. And I, I started to see that that was impacting my leadership effectiveness when we left the room or left the meetings, right? And, and so I, I sat down with him and I, I, I thought, you know what, I have to assume that he's not doing this intentionally. And, and he wasn't a bad person. He wasn't a malicious person. Uh, I think that he just didn't know. And I asked, I sat down with him. And what I asked him was, I said, can you help me uh, with my leadership effectiveness and very specifically uh, around a dynamic that I see that happens when we're in meetings uh, with my peers or with other people. And he was very receptive to hearing what I was about to say. And what I said was, uh, it, I really appreciate it um, that when we are in meetings with others, it would help me if you could actively do three things that, that, that are a dynamic that I see in the meetings. Just do three things. And these three things will improve my leadership effectiveness and that will generate better business outcomes for the organization. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, what are they? And I said, well, when we're in meetings with other people, can you be mindful about agreeing with me a little more and being vocal about that? Uh, and seek out opportunities to be vocally supportive of my ideas. And by agreeing with me a little more, that will help me. Mm. Second, secondly, what I said was, can you be equally mindful uh, and intentional about disagreeing with me a little less? This one was particularly important because I felt like when I tabled an idea, 
it's quick to be, you know, a, a, a reason why it wasn't going to work, etc. And that's a very powerful, shutting something down is very, very powerful in undermining your ability to be effective, I find. Mm. So I said, can you, can you please, you know, hold back maybe a little bit and disagree with me a little less? I think that would help. And then lastly, I said, it would also really help me if you could be intentional about asking me for my opinion when we're in meetings and in discussions with peers or others. Uh, that will help establish the fact that, you know, it'll change the narrative, I think, too, or improve the narrative that you value me. Mm. And if you value me, then I know that others will. Jaggi, um, I would love to ask you the question I ask um, everybody um, at the end of the interview is, from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership look like? And do you think it needs to change? I, I think to me, uh, brave feminine leadership means courageously, unapologetically, inclusively leading with your head and your heart. It means that when you're in a position of authority, make the changes that you know need to happen and do it quickly. Don't hesitate. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to me. And, you know, does it need to change? I think it's already changing mm. and, and, and I'm really excited about that. I, I, I see this change. We have a long way to go. Okay. Globally. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm personally very worried about the impact uh, that COVID is, is having on us. And what do I mean specifically? I, I really am concerned about women being left behind as a result of COVID. The burden on working moms during COVID has been disproportionately bad. Mm. And I think while people love the idea of working from home after this is over, I worry that it's going to disadvantage people from a career advancement perspective, uh, out of sight, out of mind, perhaps as we kind of go back to the office in some way. Uh, and I don't want that to be a setback for women. Uh, and again, particularly uh, working young mothers. So I think there's an opportunity that as when you're in a leadership role to look out for those people and make sure that you're keeping them top of mind. And so um, I think that, uh, you know, brave feminine leadership, I think is already happening. I'm starting to see more women in more senior roles. And I would just ask and implore those women to, you know, lift while they climb and pull other people along with them. And then we'll get to that critical mass that, you know, the world needs to see of people leading with head and heart. Can you, you flagged for me a question that I know will be of interest to our audience and it's, it's come through from them is, you know, COVID has also displaced a number of women in their early 50s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I wonder whether you um, have any advice or thoughts um, about, you know, and, and some of the questions that they're asking are, am I considered too old to, you know, to get back in? I'm going for other jobs and people are looking for, for younger people with a longer career span ahead of them. You know, does that trigger anything for you? Yes. And my advice to those people is don't, don't get in your own way. Mm. I, I've shared with you today that I told my team that I need people that are, you know, probably need more men on the team. You know, I need that. I need to go back to some of that from a diversity standpoint. The other thing is, is I, I have recognized that I need more senior, senior seasoned leaders. Mm. 
And I think that COVID has had a disproportionate impact on the younger adults that are out there, right? The social isolation hurts them more than it hurts somebody that's in their 40s or 50s with a family, as an example, right? And so I, I find that what I've recognized is there's more grit and resiliency in the older population. And, you know, not that 55 is very old, but I would just say that, you know, don't get in your own way on this, you know, that's a differentiator for you, go and get there. And if, if you feel you're deserving of it, and you can sell yourself on that, and sell yourself on the wisdom, the grit, the resiliency, the experiences that you've had, that can help weather other challenges that the organization might have, go get it. Uh, you know, if you think that you're not deserving of it, if you think that no one's really interested in, in what you have to offer, then that's probably what you're going to find. And I, I often always say that you're always going to find what you're looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're looking for that, truly that opportunity, um, I would never look away at someone who's 55 years old. I would probably say, wow, this person probably has a lot of wisdom and they could probably help me lead some of the other people that are on this team that are a lot younger. And I think that, you know, age diversity is as important as some of the other dimensions of diversity that we've talked about. Thanks so much for listening. If you've loved these conversations and you want to join in and be part of the Brave Feminine Leadership community and fill yourself up with inspiration, there are lots of ways you can find us. Our website is bravefeminineleadership.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook if you look at at Brave Feminine Leadership or find us on LinkedIn and connect and become part of an incredible community of senior professionals. Come and join us. Can't wait to see you there.